a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. And I'm Eliza Bennett. And this is the return of Dinner Table Politics. We are back, baby! Are you excited? So excited. You look excited. I'm so you look excited. really, really excited. Well, I've titled this podcast Guilty, Guilty, Guilty. Are you excited? Wow. Three guilties? Three guilties. This harks back... Why is there even a debate anymore? If you're saying three guilties... Well, so this harks back to the 1970s when Doonesbury was the most important political commentary in the country. Do you even know what Doonesbury is? No. You don't. Doonesbury is a comic strip. It is the only comic strip to have won the Pulitzer Prize for editorial cartooning. And the radio DJ got on there and he started talking about uh, John Mitchell, who was the attorney general at the time and that he was and the radio dj said of course there's no doubt that he's guilty that's guilty 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 and everybody was upset because he hadn't been convicted for being guilty and here it is that the comic strip page is saying the attorney general is guilty of impeachable offenses so the title of this podcast is just to see how old our listeners are to see if they get it or not uh yeah i think so are you excited no you didn't get it. You're I not didn't old get enough. It. No. <laughs> I understand. No, well, the title of the podcast is the more I look at this, the more I'm thinking uh, Donald Trump is going to be impeached. It, I think there is a 100% likelihood of that happening. Impeached, yes. That I think that's been 100% as long as we, uh, yes. I think he's also getting impeached. I think the debate is in the Senate. Of course. And, that, and yeah. Of course. Enough Democrats have gone on record to say they would impeach him if they find something. And they've they basically fa- found something because he told them he did something. Oh. That's right. America is flaming garbage. But they found something. <laughs> so I, I think he's getting impeached for sure. Well, uh, the, the Trump administration is flaming garbage. I don't think America is flaming garbage. America elected Donald Trump. So America is flaming garbage. Well, America is dealing with the fallout from... Mm. Uh, uh, the, uh, I won't argue with that. But... The point being, so looking at this, uh, I initially thought when when people were talking about impeaching Trump after the Mueller report, I thought that would be an absolutely stupid thing to do because there would be a 0% chance of him being convicted in the Senate and it would enrage, I think, moderate independent voters who would think it was a part of Republican leaning voters. Well, Republican leaning, but independent isn't a thing, but okay. Okay. Well, it, it, it would alienate people outside of Trump's base. Right. If they were to have impeached him after the Mueller report. <sighs> now with the Ukraine scandal, 
It has changed the dynamic such that politically there is no danger to Democrats as far as I'm concerned. Uh, You can try to change my mind, but I don't think there's any danger to Democrats electorally. The danger to Democrats is in Democrat. The the people that Nancy Pelosi has been worried about are Democrats who just won in 2018, so like first term in swing districts. And I think there is still a danger to them. And I think if Trump goes on to not be removed from office, they still have a fight on their hands to get reelected. I don't think this is. I don't think impeaching but not removing will help them at all in their districts. Well, that may be, but. The, the danger is different because if they're in a swing district and they're in a district that voted for Donald Trump, they're in the fight of their lives anyway. And to say that impeachment impeachment doesn't add, I think, an extra layer of danger to it. They're going to have to struggle with the fact that... I think that it could. I think it could. I think impeachment is a very... We talk about all the time how America is so more polarized than ever, but I think this is a very polarizing argument. And so I think... Imp- the fact that impeachment is on the table at all has the potential to mobilize in ways that I'm not sure we were expecting. And I can't guarantee that. That's just me. To mobilize who? Uh, Trump supporters that maybe had kind of like, yeah, I guess like Trump supporters that maybe weren't planning on voting in the 2020 election or Republicans who ugh, just hate Democrats enough. You know, like I just feel like <laughs> the impeaching a president is such a big deal and such a rare deal like the i i'm a ta for introduction to american politics and the professor keeps telling all these first semester freshmen take notes of what's happening right now because this is a process your grandkids are going to ask you about the fact that you lived through an impeachment inquiry and potentially an impeachment of a president and so i just think it's really hard to guess what's going to happen in the 2020 election if he doesn't get removed because we don't see this very often no, but we, we've seen it more often. I mean, I've lived through one. I lived through the Clinton impeachment. But Clinton was in his second term. I, we, we've never, oh, this is the first time we've seen a president in his first term go through an impeachment inquiry where his reelection is still on the table. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely right. Because Nixon, I lived through Nixon too, although Nixon. Nixon was also in his second term by the time it term, came out. Was in a second term and because he was actually being investigated for things that he did in his reelection campaign. Which, Nixon, you were going to get reelected anyways. I know, it was very stupid. Poor very, guy. very stupid indeed. Poor guy. Well, so, but but I, I saw the Clinton impeachment up close and personal. I mm-hmm. talked to my father throughout the entire experience. And the Clinton impeachment now, with the view of history, I mean, it happened 20 years ago, 21 years ago, Mm -hmm. 1998. um, Or I think it happened actually in 1999. It happened. I was alive? You were alive. Wow. I've lived through two also then. Why are you bragging? That's right. You you have a lot of memories while you were mewling in the crib? Yes. Well, so. That's why I was crying a lot. You called me, you say I cried a lot of baby. It was because Clinton was not being impeached. Because he was not being impeached? Well, not being removed, removed from, from office. office. You wanted Clinton removed from office? Yes, he's a sexual predator. Well, there you go. This is a different debate. This is a different debate. But it was very clear throughout that entire process, despite my desire to see Clinton removed from office, it was very clear that there was a 0% chance of that happening. There were, uh, By the time they got to the impeachment process, the Democrats recognized that public opinion was behind them and not the Republicans. And so even though many of them were actually scrambling at the time that the news of the Lewinsky scandal broke, by the time eight months had passed, by the time we actually got to Clinton testifying before a grand jury, and 
by then they had ground down the nation's patience to the point where nobody wanted this to happen anymore. Nobody wanted to remove him from office. And you even had Senator Robert Byrd say, oh yes, Clinton committed perjury, which is a felony, but we have no obligation to remove him from office. Nope. Cool, 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 well, Love see, that. And, and this is the thing. Love that, that I mean, for America. We've talked about this several times in Dinner Table Politics, but it, it, it's worth remembering because all the conversations I have with people, they talk about what rises to the level of an impeachable offense, and if he commits a crime, he has to be impeached. It's so important to remember that there is no constitutional requirement for impeachment. Yeah, impeachment is impeachment is a political process, 100%. not a criminal process. And it so is not a criminal process. The I'm going to talk about my professor again, but what he keeps saying is like an impeachable offense is something that is clearly explained to voters. That is what the Democrats care about right now. That's what Republicans care about right now. Right. Is how much do voters understand this? And will not impeaching him or will impeaching him change the way they view their representatives? Right. And so... But that's, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah. And the, so... The voters' reaction to Exactly. It. And so if you look at... There, uh, there are arguably other things that Trump has done thus far in his presidency that merit high crimes and misdemeanors, whatever that means. If you look into Trump... In the post office, this is a lot of poli sci professors. Post office. He. I haven't heard anything about this. He. It's. It's kind of random, and it's not a big deal because no one super understands it. But he owns a federal. (laughs) He owns or rents or something. Federal post office. The post office building. Yes, the the post office building, which is now a Trump hotel. Exactly, and he's getting like presidents aren't supposed to receive any emoluments. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so that's. Arguably, also impeachable. Right. All the poli sci professors and be like, sorry, not all. I'm not. General, sorry to poli sci professors if I'm getting you fired, but they all say that this is an impeachable offense, but it's not impeachable because voters don't understand. So that's the difference with this Ukraine thing. Is it's very clear to most voters that hey, holding money, hold four hundred million dollars until you dig up dirt on Joe Biden, mm-hmm. yeah, which is clearly an abuse of the office, mm-hmm. and we have a transcript of him saying it, and it's. So obvious that voters can't. My father always used to say that a scandal's impact is inversely proportional to how difficult it is to understand. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so people don't understand the emoluments clause and the Constitution and all of that kind of nonsense. Mm-hmm. But they very much understand. Hey, you know, we got this money here, but this is the worst Donald Trump impression I've ever heard. Uh, well, it wasn't really trying to be a Trump impression. It's, so it's much. Well, who else would you be impersonating when you're good impersonating question. the phone call? Well, when we come back from our break, I'll try to do a better Donald Trump impression and see if it works. Just Are you don't. Excited? No. Or, or maybe not. Anyway, we'll take a no break. No impressions. We'll come back. We'll see what happens. So when I do a Donald Trump impression... No, this I'm, is still not it, Donald it's, Trump. It's more Marlon Brando yeah, from The Godfather. It, but it's got. I'm trying on to the day hands. of my daughter's. Yeah, you're not. On the day of my daughter's wedding. That's good. Yeah, that's that's <sighs> Marlon Brando. Donald Trump might have said that at one point. He's a mobster. Yeah, mm. Alec Baldwin describes doing a Donald Trump impression as always trying to find the best word and never being able to. And he's sitting there. He's like, it's really. Uh, Donald Trump has the best words. Fantastic. What are you talking about? It's really great. It's, I have the best words. I have the best words. 
That's a better Donald Trump impression. That was a much better that Donald much Trump better, impression. Because I was imagine I was impersonating Alec Baldwin impersonating Donald Trump. You say you've got a theater degree and you have to go that far to get hey, to a Donald you know, Trump impression? Whatever process Your parents works. spent so much money for nothing. Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that. So the, the big news about impeachment that's happening right now is that Donald Trump is refusing to participate. He is ignoring subpoenas. There was an ambassador in his administration that yeah. was asked to testify, and he's, he said he won't testify. Which, does he not know he's building another case against him for obstruction <laughs> right. of justice? Does he not right. get that? That's what, isn't that what Nixon uh, eventually ended up leaving office because the obstruction of justice was so clear? Well, you know, they found what they called the smoking gun. Yeah, I, I've listened to he, that report. The, he, you know, so, yeah, he said, don't lie to them to the extent to say there was no involvement. Yeah. Which was clear that you're supposed to lie to them to a certain extent, but not to that extent. So, yeah. Uh, but but it all comes down to, and I, we've said several times, it was your great-grandfather, my grandfather, went with Barry Goldwater along mm-hmm. with Southern Republican senators and said there are only 15 senators or so who are going to vote to, not, keep, you. to keep you in office. You need to leave. Right. So the Bennetts were involved in that impeachment firsthand. And what's really interesting is that I read all of my grandfather's writings around that time. Mm-hmm. He kept a journal. And he sounds an awful lot like the Democrats who were defending Bill Clinton. This doesn't rise to the level of an impeachable offense Mm -hmm. and all of that kind of thing. And so partisan feelings run very, very strong, which makes people say, okay, well, then there's a 0% chance that Donald Trump will be removed in the Senate. Mm -hmm. I insist that's no longer true. Stephen Colbert likes to talk about things that are a greater than 0% chance, meaning that it's possible and that I is think the weirdest way to say it's possible. Well, greater than zero can be one percent. Yeah, but why can't you just say like uh, it's possible? Well, <laughs> but it's becoming more and more likely for a number of different reasons. I think there that there was never anything more than a zero percent chance that Clinton was going to be removed from office. By the time we got to impeachment, that was never going to happen. Now, everybody insists, well, the Senate will never convict. The Senate will never convict. Well, you already have at least three senators who have expressed serious concern. You have Susan Collins from Maine. You have Ben Sass from Nebraska. And you have good old Mitt Romney from Utah. Who got a shout-out in New York Times today. Another yeah. Mormon moment is happening. Well, so. it's, it's not. Well, the New York Times, they, ha- they had a headline that says, Mormons to the rescue. The reddest, fa- the reddest faith in America is also the one most skeptical of Which, Donald Trump. Don't we have like a 50% support? Like, yeah, ah, yeah. Come on. Well, Donald Trump is in no danger of losing Utah no. to any of the Democrats. But, yeah, uh, Latter-day Saints are a whole lot more skeptical of Donald Trump than evangelical Christians are, who are marching behind Donald Trump in lockstep. So uh, Mitt Romney has a great deal. Mitt Romney is in no danger of losing his seat. I don't even think Mitt Romney is planning on running for another term. Mitt Romney sort of ran for this term as a replacement for Warren Hatch and has kind of said, I'm going to do this for one term. This is coming from a secondhand source, but his campaign manager spoke to my friend's class at BYU and said he was only planning on running for one term and he was planning on kind of being an anti-Trump voice was Romney's move. And so I 
took digs at him early on in his term because I felt like he wasn't doing enough, but I do applaud him now, and I'm grateful that he is taking stands, and hopefully he continues to take stands and right. pushes the Senate in the way that I think they should go. Well, this is the role that I envisioned for him, mm-hmm. like he cares what I envisioned for him. But I think he listens to this podcast. I'm sure What's up, he Mitt? does. I'm, hi, Mitt. Uh, you know, I, I contacted Mitt's people to try Please to get him to talk to the buy United me a Tesla. You want Mitt to buy you a Tesla? I want anyone to buy me a Tesla. I'll buy you a my, Tesla. The second counselor in my war, my YSA ward last year is the CEO of Qualtrics, who is a billionaire. Oh, wow. And I asked him to buy me a Tesla, and he said no. So, <laughs> looking for a new billionaire to buy me a Tesla. I don't think Mitt's a billionaire. I mean, I don't think but Mitt will buy you a Tesla. But he has millions, I'm sure. He still won't buy you a Tesla. <sighs> it won't happen. Unless he falls in love with this podcast and decides that you're a genius. And then he still won't buy you a Tesla. It's just not going to happen. Okay, if any of our listeners want to start a GoFundMe to start oh, buying golly. me a Tesla. Golly. Anyways. All right. Well, uh, when Mitt first ran, the United Utah Party approached him, and we talked to his campaign manager this. as well. And uh, I, I thought we had convinced him or convinced the campaign manager that this was a good idea, but we also thought that it was going to be in an environment where he was going to be running against Orrin Hatch. Right. And Orrin decided not to run, and Mitt decided to move. run as a Republican. And so, which overall was the smart move? Well, of course, well, for for Mitt certainly, yes, it, not for the United but, Utah Party. United Utah Party clearly, no, but. but 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 when I heard that Mitt was running, I thought, okay, Mitt wants to be this anti-Trump voice, and he wasn't. Trump endorsed him. Mitt accepted the endorsement without any qualification, right. and it just looked like, well, you're just going to be another go go along just, to get along Republican. You're just running around during retirement and, looking for something to. And bless his heart, he's he's stepping up. Mike Lee is not. Mike Lee initially refused to endorse Trump and had all this kind of stuff. And now Mike Lee is a hardcore Trump apologist. Well, Mike Lee thinks having babies is a solution to climate change. Like, Well, that's a whole other... Mike, th- that was so embarrassing. <laughs> when he gave the, the Star Wars presentation, Tauntauns. And that was a fun time. He thought he was so funny. Stand-up comedy from Mike Lee. Oh, my goodness. No, uh... You know, it's interesting because the dynamic of Utah politics, you know, there, there's always sort of a mix of church and state, and the Republican Party particularly ties itself to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as closely as it possibly can, and Mike Lee ran on a very sort of thinly veiled uh, reference to the White Horse Prophecy. Right. You're familiar with the White Horse Prophecy? Yes. The idea that it's the, you know, it's the Latter-day Saints are going to write in and save the Constitution as it hangs by a brittle thread. Well, how frustrating must it be for these guys that believe in all of that to be looking at this and say, the guy who's going to save the Constitution as it hangs by a brittle thread may very well be the Latter-day Saint senator from Utah who opposes Donald Trump. What do you think? Fulfillment of the white horse prophecy or not? Your thoughts? <laughs> no thoughts? I don't think this is a fulfillment of the white horse prophecy. You don't? No. What? Why not? Because, I don't know. Because you don't believe in the white horse Yeah, prophecy. I think it's a stupid prophecy. But, but, and the church has denounced the white horse prophecy. Ah, then I feel confident in me saying it's a stupid prophecy. It's a stupid prophecy. And that no one can excommunicate me for saying this. No one's going to excommunicate you for saying that. Um. Yeah, I think it's very surprising that the Utah congressional delegate, all of our Utah 
representatives and senators kind of claim this Latter-day Saint membership as what kind of guides them or they claim their morals, but they all come to very different... And that's true of all politics, but it's interesting to see, is it Chris Stewart? Is that his name? Oh, Chris Stewart. Who's being so... So, ah, uh, the Demo- this is all partisan. This is another oh. witch hunt. This is Russia all over again. Which, Russia, no one said he was, ah, 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 Mueller friend didn't exonerate him. Okay. But see, see that, and then see Ben McAdams, who's a Democrat, and say, yes, like, I'm on board with the MP, which he has, and then to see Mitt versus Mike, and it's very interesting to see that dynamic, and I'd be, it'd just be, it's an interesting time to live in Utah it and is see indeed. these competing not just within the two parties but within one party well when we come back from our break we're going to sort out where the delegation is and sort out where delegation. we go from here the That's, Utah delegation I was looking for that, that word, word. Looking I was for? looking for that you're word like Donald Trump you're looking for the word yes, you never uh, find it don't compare me to Donald Trump All right. that was a good impression though good impression I can't say it's a good impression right. when you're trying to compare to me alright sounds good we'll come back from our break we'll see what happens I really like the Stewart family. Uh, Tim Stewart, who is Chris Stewart's brother, uh, I served a mission with him in Scotland. Uh, he was actually business partners with my father. You can like someone and still think they're a flaming idiot in well, politics. I, well, I don't think Chris Stewart is a flaming idiot I think as a human being. Be, no, but he's being one about think, the Trump impeachment. I think, his, I think his position on Trump all the way around is really, really regrettable. I think it just shows how strong partisan is and how partisanship, partisan, yeah. yeah, partisanship is and how it really puts you, like it puts glasses on and everyone looks at uh, information and news differently based right. on their partisanship. And that's true of Republicans and Democrats. Like, of course. We, and it's frustrating sometimes when you're on the opposite side and want them to take the glasses off. But I... I, I just don't know what else to do because it's very... I think it would be hard to be a Republican abandoning Trump in this moment. Well, not necessarily. So, you know, when I keep saying that there was a 0% chance that Clinton was going to be removed from office, and now that I say there's a greater than 0% chance, I put the chances. Here's the percentage. You're going to hear it first here on Dinner Table Politics. There is now a 22% chance that Donald Trump will be removed where, from office. Where are you pulling this number from? I pulled it right out of where you. Th- I pull all my numbers. You know. His butt. Yes. Well, I was trying to be delicate for the delicate sensibilities of our listeners. But no. They listen to you. They can't be that delicate. They can't be that delicate. Um, uh, th- there is a great article written by- in the Washington Post that says, The Senate is likelier to remove Trump after impeachment than you think. And but it- everyone is speculating on the same things. They don't have a secret poll. Like there is no secret poll. There, there's course, the secret Jeff Flake poll that says 35 senators. Right. But, Jeff, well, though Jeff Flake has said if you are behind closed doors and you talk to the senators, there are 35 senators who want Trump gone. And I think that's absolutely true. I think it is true too. But then come out and say it because you can get well, him gone. Then well, the the problem the problem with impeachment uh, is that it is 100 percent political, and so none of these senators. With very few exceptions. There might be one or two. Uh, but none of these senators have any real loyalty to Donald Trump himself. All of these senators are terrified of Trump's base. All of them are terrified of coming out against Trump and being primaried and being run out of office in a primary from, by a Trump supporter and all of that. That is the only thing. Now, Nixon, Nixon had come up and risen up in the party uh, and had deep, deep roots 
in the Republican Party and had built the party. He was the vice president. He was the governor of California, or he ran for governor of California. He Where are you known. going? What I'm saying is that Republicans resent and hate Trump. They all think this is an interloper who's just jumped in. Uh, they don't have any kind of loyalty to him personally. They, he hasn't done anything for the party. He has ripped the party up, down, and sideways. And as all of this impeachment stuff breaks, he is destroying America's foreign policy with this big, huge oh, mess in Turkey. It's so sad. It's so sad, and it's so pathetic. And he tweets things about his great and unmatched wisdom and says asinine things that no Republican is willing to defend. The Republicans do not like this guy. Uh, and and so if they see a political opportunity to abandon Trump, they will jump at it as quickly as they possibly can. Right now, not many see that. I think Mitt Romney looks at it and says, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to get reelected if I want to be reelected. Mitt Romney's seat is the safest seat in the Senate, I think. Utah is never going to throw Mitt Romney out of the Senate, even if he opposes Donald Trump. And so you look at this and you say, okay, soon, the moment, the instant Donald Trump crosses the line that alienates his base is the instant Republican opposition crumbles overnight. What alienates his base if not everything he's done (laughs) since the beginning of his campaign? right. He is the most openly racist and sexist, and, and it happened before he was elected. If if that if something that I believe is that morally wrong does not alienate his base, I don't think this arguably quid pro quo would. Like I just, if that's the argument of they're waiting for Trump's base to be alienated, they're gonna keep waiting. Well, except, except. Donald Trump, there's a poll out from Fox News no, they, showing Donald Trump 51% of Americans want him removed. Fox that's News. Americans, but not his base. Right. Uh, but but uh, Shepard Smith has just resigned from Fox News after that. Donald Trump, after Which Bob is, Barr went and talked to Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. And overnight, all of a sudden, the most critical anchor on Fox News is gone. gone. Gee, do you think there's any kind of relationship there? Yes. I mean, it's just. It's so egregious. And Donald Trump, his entire career, has doubled down on egregious and just dared people to do something about it. He admitted to doing these things and then challenged China to do it on national television. Like, what else does America want? He is guilty of what we're accusing him of. Guilty. Well, it's like, it's as if Richard Nixon had come out and said, yeah, I broke into the Watergate and tomorrow I'm going to break into another hotel. What are you going to do about it? uh, That's what's happening. And America, it's I just don't piece think. I just don't think that things that that can't go on forever don't. They stop. Eventually, there has to be a line. Eventually, we. But have what to if the line is twenty twenty four, and it's just him reaching eight years? Well, see, but that's the difference of this dynamic here is that I don't think this damages Democrats' ability to keep the House. I think that this is much more of a liability for Republicans. I don't think it damages their ability to keep the House. I don't think it necessarily improves Democrats' chance at beating Trump in the 2020 election if he does not get removed from office. I think our best... Do you think it hurts the chances to remove him from office? I I think if we go all the way through the impeachment process and... House House impeaches, but Senate does not convict. I think it does hurt Democrats' ability to capture the White House in 2020. I think I disagree. I want to disagree. 
I know you want to I, disagree. I can see it in your I eyes that you want to disagree. It just, but I, and I have a lot of faith in, uh not Joe Biden. I don't. I don't want Joe Biden. But I have a lot of faith in other challengers to do great things and fight really hard. But I'm really worried that failing to convict will just anger all of these right wing loons who voted for him in the first place. Sorry, not everyone who voted for him was a loon. I think I have relatives who voted for him. But I think they'll just come out and say, this is another witch hunt. Yeah, We're yeah, g- yeah, let's yeah. keep him in. Like, I, just, I get worried about that. Well, we'll talk about some of the political consequences and we will sum it up as to what it all means. And I, I, I want to get what to, the F it all means. Well, I want to get to this really cool article. Uh, do you think we should arrest Rudy Giuliani? Oh, do you see that the two people who helped him just got arrested? Yes, I did. We'll talk is that about what the article is? No, it's talking about the House of Representatives actually arresting Rudy Giuliani for contempt of Congress. We'll talk about that when we get back from our break. Ooh. Yeah, there was an article in the New York Times today that says the House can play hardball too. It can arrest Giuliani. Because it, the, the Trump administration is saying, uh, they wrote an eight-page letter to the House saying, we reject your impeachment inquiry. You're not giving us due process. You're not giving us all of these things. Which, what the, that's in the Senate, man. Does the, does the White House not know how this, does no one in the White House understand politics? Well, no, they, Just, they, they ah! They are hoping you don't understand politics. They are hoping America... I, don't, under- I am slightly convinced no one in the White House has ever... Under- ah! No. Ah! They, they are hoping that America will look at this and say, yeah, well, this is like a criminal proceeding and there has to, this, that, and the other has to happen. The Constitution... All the Constitution says is the House will have sole power to impeach. And the Senate will have sole power to remove. It gives no advice as to procedure. It gives no advice as to any of this kind of stuff. No, we make it up as we go along. Right. But even if we're following the made-up rules that have been made in past impeachments, this due process, this cross-examination of witnesses that they're talking about, that happens in the Senate when we try and pretend that we're a court. Right. This doesn't happen in the House. Right. The House continues with its committee process. The House does what it wants because... Well, the the Trumpers, they may have a point on this. The Trumpers say, you know, in every other impeachment inquiry, there was a vote by the full House to open the inquiry, and that vote hasn't taken place. And therefore, this is an illegitimate inquiry. Do you have any sympathy for that argument? No, because (laughs) there have been four inquiries. Like, there isn't, it's like what I said, there isn't a process. It doesn't, okay, if you want to have the argument and it comes down to it, if that becomes like the legitimate reason why this, they're saying this is eh, whatever, I think Nancy Pelosi could hold that vote and enough people would say, yeah, let's at least have the inquiry. Like, well, then why hasn't she held that vote? I don't I don't have her cell phone number. No, if I did, she would have blocked me by now. do. No, Sam would have. Sam would have, yes. My, my, my son had all of my father's contacts on his cell phone. We have Joe yeah. Biden's cell phone number. We almost tried, we tried to prank call him one time. Did you really? Well, we started to, and then Sam was like, "We're going to get in trouble. Someone's going to arrest us." And I was like, "I don't no think they're going to arrest, arrest some you. teenagers for calling Joe Biden." I, I think- wonder if his cell phone is still the same. We're not going to give out the number here on Dinner Table Politics, it is. but maybe we will. Should we tease that and say, "Come back and listen next week, and maybe we'll give you Joe Biden's no, cell phone I don't number"? Know if, is that legal to just give out personal? We're not information going to like give that? out any personal information. We are joking. But here's the thing: is that enough? 
enough Democrats have gone on record saying more than half, I think it's last I checked, which was like a couple of days ago, it was like 226 had gone on record saying they supported the impeachment inquiry. Not impeaching, but the, at least the inquiry. So if she wanted to hold the vote, it would pass. That's more than half. I think, I think you're right. I, I'm not quite sure. She's savvy enough that she understands the process and understands the political ramifications of the vote. So there must be some reason in her mind not to yeah. hold that vote. But even so, smart woman. Even so, uh, you know, investigation. The, the legislative branch has uh, centuries of precedent that give it oversight over the executive branch. And to say we're just going to completely ignore a congressional subpoena is not legal. That is what I'm so confused about. Is because when. Okay, when I was a kid and I would ask Grandpa, like, what are Democrats and what are Republicans? He'd go, well, uh, Republicans, like, small government, they are the party of markets, and Democrats are the party of government. And so, okay, Republicans, if you are the party of small government, why are you inflating the power of the executive branch so much by just letting Trump do whatever the frick he wants to do? Oh, 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 all that's out the window. I just, uh, uh, the, the Republican Party is now the party of Trump. And there is no intellectual consistency. There is no ideological foundation. There is nothing but we follow this guy. He's our guy. He wears our what team colors. What a weird guy to get behind. Oh, oh, what a, he is the first. Uh, just what a weird guy to get behind, guys. There are... There are some other, there are some stand-up Republicans out there. There are some less than average Republicans out there. But then there's like... You have to scrape the underneath of the bottom of the barrel, the brown poop slug that's on the street, <laughs> and that is Donald Trump. And you guys really picked following that guy to the end of the earth? Well, Roger Ebert once reviewed a movie and said, this movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't good enough to be associated with barrels. Uh, and that's kind of where I feel about Donald Trump. They're like licking the, the inside of the toilet. Well, your, your imagery is just a I little just, too colorful. Ah! We're, we're going to let you calm down. We're going to... We're, we'll, certainly talk about this in the weeks to come but if you're listening to this on the radio please be sure to subscribe to dinner table politics we have a new episode every week you can listen to us on itunes you can listen to us on the ksl podcast center in the meantime until next week i'm jim bennett i'm eliza and eliza, I'm very depressed. eliza's depressed but she doesn't need to be we're excited well maybe you do it's Trump's America. <laughs> Trump's America. But we will see you next week on Dinner Table Politics. War in 2020.